Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Live edition, Manna for Breakfast, and it's, you can kind of tell, it's a little cold out this morning. I'm kind of surprised. It's overcast. Uh, it was rainy a little bit last night. It's a tiny bit misty out right now, out on the farm here in Fredericksburg. But this is our last day here. We'll be heading out in the middle of the morning, heading back from Puerto Vallarta, catching an early flight home. So this... Um, May or may not be the last one. If I can get a recording in for tomorrow during our travel time, I will. But we are traveling. Uh, we will be traveling on Tuesday. So whenever you might be picking this up on the audio on Wednesday. But uh, nevertheless, we are blessed and happy to be here and have been enjoying ourselves immensely. So this morning we're looking into Psalm 101, 103, 108, and John 15. So please find your Bibles and please use them, mark them as God so directs. And let's spend some time thinking about the God who created us and gave us this beautiful world we live in. Father God, thank you for this morning and giving us this time together. We worship you, we praise you, and we ask God as we look into your word, you would show us these truths, these beautiful truths that we see in your word and we help us understand the heart of David in the way you you used him by your Holy Spirit to communicate truths to us as well as modeling yourself, being the Messiah of the world. So thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 101, the psalmist's profession of uprightness, a psalm of David. I will sing of loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When you come to me, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has had a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell in my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. The one that caught my eye and the one that I'm constantly, shall I say, searching out and, and trying to get more clarity and more understanding is, yeah, verse 6. My eyes shall be upon the faithless of the land that he made, uh, that they may dwell, faithful of the land that they may dwell with me, not faithless, faithful. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who, who will minister to me. David is writing it. Yes, we know that uh, he is writing it as a king, but he's writing it in the aspect that he's identifying with God. He is writing this oftentimes. He's, the Holy Spirit is using David to speak through David to us. 
And there is this sense that God says that we can minister to him. That if we walk blameless before him, that he can use us to be a blessing to him, to minister. Uh, it, it, there's, it's a mystery that how the God of the universe, who is perfect, could receive anything from us that would be pleasing to him. To minister is to render aid, to help someone essentially that's in need. God is in need of nothing, and he is perfect. So he would not need us to minister to him, and yet he receives our ministry to him. It is something that is a blessing to him. And when we do that, when we are faithful, he allows us to dwell with him. He wants us to dwell with him. And he who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. Now, I think we could assume that would be the, the eternal house of God. Those who are in churches that are not faithful and are not practicing righteousness can come into the church, but they're certainly not going to dwell with God. They're going to encounter an emptiness. And it's only until you can give up and ask God to forgive you and come into his presence as one not deserving it and one who is rendering yourself to him or surrendering yourself to him and giving yourself over to him is when you can finally dwell in the house of the Lord. And that's why so many people come to church and don't get anything out of it. We need to tell our friends that come to church why they're not getting anything out of it. I never did growing up as a kid because no one was ever trying to help me to get that concept down. Psalm 103, praise for the Lord's mercies, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. Just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field. So he flourishes when the wind has passed over it. It is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over them. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in the places of his dominions. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David had the ability to bless the Lord because we could say almost more than anyone else, he who has forgiven much, loves much, 
David was forgiven much. And we went through this just yesterday with, with one of the, his other Psalms where he says the Lord is, is gracious, the Lord is, is loving, the Lord is kind. He's abounding in loving kindness. He's slow to anger. David writes this after he's forgiven a premeditated murder and continued what seemed to be somewhat adultery. I mean, it was many months that Uriah was at the, at the battle and Bathsheba was around, so we don't know if it was one occasion or more, but he certainly had the relationship with her secret for many, many, many months. And yet he realizes that God will not always be angry and that God can and does forgive. And when he does forgive, this is important, he says, so great is loving kindness towards those who fear him, that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is key in our day because people who have sinned greatly are often made to feel or get it in their brain that God could never, ever, ever forgive them for what they've done. And here is a man who has done the worst of the worst, really. Deception, premeditated murder, adultery, destroyed this man's family. He was responsible for his son's death as a result of Bathsheba having a baby. And it just goes on and on and on. And yet he knew that that sin and that was removed from him and that God's mercies are new every morning. And if we can just get a hold of that, that is so important because too many people are carrying around heavy burdens of guilt when they shouldn't. If, and the big if, is if they have truly repented. You can ask for forgiveness, but the repentance needs to come. You need to stop the sin and then cry out to God and he can forgive you. So you don't have to carry the burden of some of that garbage that you, that you have in your past. And start living in freedom and joy like David did. And know that God's mercies are new every morning. And he, he joyfully brings us into his presence now and forgives. Psalm 108, God praised and supplicated to give victory. A psalm of David. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing, I will sing praises, even with my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your loving kindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and answer me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will exalt, I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim also is the helmet of my head, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my washbowl, over Edom I shall throw my shoe, over Philistia I will shout aloud, who will bring me into the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have not you yourself, O God, rejected us? And will you not go forth with our armies, O God? O give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we do valiantly. It is he who shall tread down our adversaries. So many of David's psalms are songs that we sing today. I used to be in a big Baptist choir, believe it or not, with a repeat suit. We had at least 35 of us or more. And we used to sing that song, through God we should do, we, 
Uh, we will do valiantly as he who shall tread down our adversaries. Great, great song. Uh, and I remember it well. I remember all of these songs, really, that we see in the Psalms of David. And you can read these. And I was, I was thinking while I was reading them that there is a sense that I worship as much reading and uh, maybe more sometimes than singing them because to say them forth is the same as singing them. You're, you're, it's an act of worship. It's ministering to the Lord. As you say these, you are saying them as your own words. And that's the benefit and the beauty of the Psalms. When you say, my heart is steadfast, our God, I will sing. I will sing praises, even with my soul. If you're a guitar player, <laughs> you could get out your guitar or your harp or your lyre. If I don't think many people play lyres anymore. And give thanks to the Lord in the morning. Just give him praise. And that's why it's really nice. We have the Psalms to start off with in the morning. David is just in a position of praising God. There's no sense here that he's lamenting his past or his, all of the things he's done wrong. Or the, There is some aspect of the enemies coming against David here, but it's mostly about the loving God, loving kindness and greatness of God and his love for us. So now we'll look at John 15. Jesus is the vine. Followers are the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. 
But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, it is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. We would need an entire hour to break that down and really get the, I think, the full understanding. Well, probably need more than that. But to get as much understanding as we could, we don't have that time, but let's just say this. This is one of the big chapters, controversial chapters on uh, the used for Arminia's, Arminianism and Calvinism. The, the issue is that we, he is the vine, we are the branches, and if we are not abiding in him, this is saying what Jesus is saying, if you don't abide in me, then you'll be cast out and burned up. And this is what, um, for years, I thought, well, that's simply uh, a call to be faithful to Jesus and, and believe in him. And if we stop believing him, uh, we're going to be cast out, burned up, and go to hell. And that's the Arminian side of it. The other side of it, Jesus says, no, you didn't choose me. I chose you from the foundation of the world. Therefore, you don't have any say in the issue whether you're going to be saved or not, because I chose you. And so if Jesus chose us, we will abide in him. There's no question because he is the one who's doing the power in us to abide in him. <laughs> so where's the common ground in all this? <laughs> well, there are different approaches to look at this to see what does it mean to abide in, to be cut off and cast out or to be burned up. Does that mean salvation or is that something else? Is it talking about salvation there or is it not? And yet, if Jesus chose us and we had nothing to do with it, then why is Jesus holding them accountable, saying, I've done these works among you to show you that I've come into the world, and now that you have seen this and chosen to hate me, then you will be held accountable, uh, basically is what he's saying for all this. And it would make sense to hold somebody accountable for their sin if they were not chosen to begin with. All this is saying is be prayerful and be mindful and careful when you enter into the whole concept of Arminianism um, or free will uh, or, and lack of free will. So anyway, the safest approach, in my opinion, what Chuck Smith always said is know that you are safe and secure and sealed by the Holy Spirit, but live your life in the holy fear of God and keep reminding yourself that you need to abide in the vine that God has given us a responsibility, holds us accountable to that. When we choose not to abide, because I do believe we have free will, that's my opinion, that if we choose to say, okay, I, I brought up in the church and I, I was in the worship team, I was doing everything, or like me, I was a pastor, but you know what, I'm just tired. I'm just gonna go party and get drunk and I'm done with church. And I choose to walk away from that. The consequences are gonna be steep. What consequences? I don't know at this point, and I don't want to test it. That's the thing. 
Are you willing to test your eternity on this one doctrinal position where you go, I'm sure of this, and the balance is to know that we are saved and sealed because we've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior by faith, but continue to live your life to abide in him consciously to say, I may be saved, but I'm not going to live my life and take it for granted. Like I can go do whatever I want and it doesn't matter. Think of it as losing rewards. Think of it as losing the ability to minister to him, to, to have what is burned up is, is your whole testimony and your, your uh, usefulness rather than salvation if you want to, but, but be abiding in him and stay faithful to him. Otherwise, there's going to be a steep price and uh, the enemy will deceive you. So the best I can do on that right now, there'd be a lot more we could go into. And again, without spending a lot of time parsing out all the words, it's just not kind of a glance overview of the chapter. So we're going to move on to Charles Spurgeon, Checkbook of Faith. And we are looking at today, Exodus 11, or I should say, yeah, 11, verse 7. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. And ye shall know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. What has God power over the tongues of dogs? Can he keep curs from barking? C-U-R-S. Yes, it is even so. He can even prevent an Egyptian dog from worrying one of the lambs of Israel's flock. Doth God silence dogs and doggish ones among men and the great dog at hell's gate? Then let us move on our way without fear. If he lets dogs move their tongues, yet he can stop their teeth. They may make a dreadful noise and still do us no real harm. Yet how sweet is quiet. How delightful to move about among enemies and perceive that God maketh them to be at peace with us. Like Daniel in the den of lions, we are unhurt amid destroyers. Oh, that today this word of the Lord to Israel might be true to me. Does the dog worry me? I will tell the Lord about him. Lord, he does not care for my pleadings. Do thou speak the word in power, and he must lie down. Give me peace, O my God, and let me see thy hand so distinctly in it that I may most clearly perceive the difference which thy grace has made between me and the ungodly. Not much I can add to that. We know that the God, that dogs here are the ones that are barking out their displeasure at us as being Christians in the church or in the job place, uh, at school, and the whole woke culture saying, how could you possibly believe this? And you are a horrible person and we are going to do this. and We are going to close your church down and throw you in jail. And there's been a lot of pastors that have in the past simply said, Lord, you can close the mouth of the dogs of Egypt. You can close theirs and you can keep their teeth from biting. And I am so respectful of those pastors that have uh, stood up and said, uh, 
I'm simply going to trust the Lord in this. This is the, God's direction for us in his word, and we're going to follow it. And we've seen those dogs silenced so many times over and over again. Wonderful things. Right now we're in a time where God seems to be showing himself strong amongst the persecution that's growing in the church here in the U.S. and parts of Canada as well. So thank the Lord for that and keep trusting him that even though we have to make a stand uh, for that which is right uh, and simply speak the truth, people may not like it and create a lot of roaring and barking and growling. We just trust him and try the best of our ability to return those uh, return our comments to them in love and um, and gentleness and, and not become not be, not bring it into a war of words and um, and lose our testimony so with that let's pray thank you father for a beautiful morning here at Fredericksburg and once again we thank you for the blessing that you've given us every morning to come here and spend time together I want to just ask you to um, go before us this day and bless us as we desire to to walk with you. Help us to learn what it means to minister to you through our praise, through our lifting up holy hands and, and reading your word and being quiet before you and letting you bring us into your presence. And God, you receive from us something that we don't even understand ourselves. But thank you for that and continue to move us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to minister to those around us, to love those who are around us. Help us, God, to abide in the vine, in you, to remain faithful to you, to love you with all our heart and our soul and our mind. And use us, God, to be ministers to others in the area of healing, the area of encouragement, teaching, God, of, of uh, evangelism, helping people to come to a deeper knowledge and realization of your love for them. And, and for those who are sick, God, we pray that this day might be, bring them a day with um, no pain or a day where they can see improvement in their condition. And above all, God, that you keep their heart encouraged as they need to fight the battle within every single day and make the choice that they're going to continue to let you be glorified through their weakness. So thank you, Father, on all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, guys. Keep praying one for another. And if you have specific prayer requests, go ahead and send them in. And I will hopefully try and get an audio podcast, I think, out for tomorrow. God bless you all very much. Thank you for the prayers for our travel home as well. See you later. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.